philosophically, I'm, I lean toward playing just in general. Um, I know there are different approaches to the preseason, and I respect uh, the approaches and opinions of others, but that's kind of always been in my comfort zone. If we're going to box, we have to spar. Uh, if we need to get ready for the regular season, then preseason is an avenue in which to do it uh, for individuals and collectives. All right, that's Mike Tomlin. Preseason is upon us, getting teams ready with only three games now. This is year three of the adjustment from 16-4 and four to 17-3. and three. Fewer opportunities for teams to go through the dress rehearsals and get ready for week one. We are less than a month away from week one. And tonight, a couple of preseason games, Texans, Patriots, Seahawks, Vikings, and off we go. One week after the Hall of Fame game, preseason begins in bulk, Christopher. And good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday to you. Happy Thursday to the rest of us. That's right. Yep. Screw the rest of you. It's happy Friday to me. It's almost the weekend for me. Now I don't, you know, <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's good. It's a long week, you know, between Canton last week and the weekend itself and the festivities, I am a little more tired than your, than your normal Thursday, but no rest for the oh, weary. That's because you're old. Yeah, I am old. old. I don't bounce back like I used to. I definitely noticed that for sure. But I am excited about games tonight. I really am. I mean, one, to check out your Minnesota Vikings, see some of the progress there, see if that de- defense has turned the corner a little bit. That'll be fun to watch. And, of course, Seattle's a team that I think we both got our eye on. They got stars littered all over the field on both sides of the ball there, right? And I think you and I are in agreement that they're one of the teams that I think can kind of upset the hierarchy of the NFC a little bit. They have that potential if things go the right direction and they can jump in that combo with, you know, Dallas 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles as the cream of the crop. So I'm just glad we're going to have something to watch and talk about. And of course the Patriots and Texans too, will bring up some stuff about that too. And I appreciate what you're saying, but there is hardly a line between what we're going to see tonight and what it's going to tell us about these teams. That's the problem. I, I hear you. It's better than nothing, but it's still not much as it relates to what we can take from it and project into the regular season. We're all going to be looking for that. But number one, it's going to be a lot of guys who aren't on the team come week one who are playing tonight. And number two, they're not going to show us anything now. It no. would be of any value to anyone because they're thinking about keeping their plans as secret as possible for their week one opponents. No, I, I agreed with you there. And you're right. I mean, it doesn't tell the whole story of what the team's going to be and all that. But there's little things you can take. You know, there's little inklings here and there where you can start to go, ooh, hey, Seattle, what am I going to watch tonight? Okay, well, you know, a lot of good things like we talked about. But last year they had two rookie tackles on both sides, right, that struggled a little. I want to see just how they look. And, right, that doesn't matter about game planning and all that stuff. Hey, that's just, hey, mano y mano, can you block the guy off the edge? Do they look a little bit better than doing it? The rookies are always a big thing, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, the receiver for Seattle Seahawks, see what he looks like. I, there was questions about overall speed and can he separate, you know, coming out of the draft. So I want to see that. And then, of course, going over to your football team. How do I not want to check out the two USC kids who seems like they're going to have a lot on them as rookies, especially Jordan Addison. He's going in the building. Number two has to contribute to the football team and be a big target. So I want to see if he looks the part. You know, those are the things you kind of try to check out tonight. 
you seem to be far more excited about the Seahawks-Vikings game than the Texans-Patriots game, or you're just ignoring the way that the schedule for the segment has been laid out in the document. I didn't mean to. I just got into you. I see you, and I see Vikings. I see you, and I hear horns blowing. So that's where it got me going. But let's let's go back. Let's go back to the other one. <laughs> I don't even know where the Vikings game is televised tonight. I probably should find that out. And hopefully it doesn't start at like 10 o'clock Eastern. Some of those West Coast yeah, games. I think it's the late. NFL Network late night. Oh. Yeah. I yeah. think we got it there. I'll so watch we the gotta, highlights. We gotta I'll watch the highlights on, on Twitter or whatever it's called. Why? Now, what do you got to do? What are you going to be doing? You can't not watch? staying up that late. Well, I admit that I'm old. Some of us don't. <laughs> Some of us are in denial about being old and are out there smoky smoky drinky drinky when they're they're too old to be doing it yeah maybe maybe i haven't learned my lesson yet that's the one of the first times i've heard you really self-proclaim though that you're old and and 10 o'clock i mean you're old but you're not that old you're not going to bed at 10 o'clock i i get too many text messages on the group text from mike florio around 11 and 10 55 that you're still awake. So you can at least watch the first half or maybe, you know, the first quarter and a half or so. My sleep pattern goes like this bed between 12 and 1230 and up between five and five thirty. Okay. And what is that? Five hours. Yeah. And then I take a nap in the afternoon. That's yeah. my life right now. So I probably will be up, but I have been through enough preseasons and look, I understand we're part of the broader sell the veal machinery. But I've been through enough preseasons where you get yourself all gassed up to watch it. You turn it on, and it's like, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who that guy is. And they're not even going to be on the team. They got the same chance I have of being on the team come week one. And I know that it's part of the competition, but week one regular season is so fundamentally different than the preseason. And I know it's better than nothing. 6.3 million watched the Jets-Browns last Thursday night on NBC and Peacock. I get it. But – when you do it over and over again, this is a function of age. Like, I'm not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe again that the preseason is going to be some oasis of football. It's something. It's better than nothing, right? But it's not destination TV the way no, a regular season no, game No, it's be. just it's a little just tease. Not. It's a little tease. It's the buildup. It's the buildup for, you know, the big payoff of the regular season. That, that's what it is. I, I, I hear you. Damn, I mean, you didn't need to crap all over my excitement. I mean, I'm, I was excited for I'm, football yeah, tonight. I, I have no, I, well, in 15 years, you'll feel differently. When I was 43, <laughs> I was probably excited, and I remember sitting down and watching a preseason game and saying, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who that guy is. And, man, by the third quarter, it's getting pretty damn boring. It is. And part of the yes. fun of the preseason yeah. is, when, is when you hear, like, they'll run the feed from one of the teams, and – the guy, whether it's Paul Allen or, or whoever, yeah, sure. has no idea how to pronounce the names of the guys <laughs> on the back end of the depth chart of the other team, and it gets a little entertaining when it comes to that. Um, I, I will say, let's let's talk about this before we get to the games, though, because yeah. I've had this question recently. Okay, because now that we've seen the preseason go from four to three. You've got people out there who are like, well, maybe it could get even smaller. Maybe we could go three to two. And I remember 10, 12 years ago, the commissioner, one of his talking points was that preseason football doesn't reflect the quality of the NFL product. So let's cut it in half and expand the regular season. And we're halfway to doing that. 17 and three, I think, is the layover to 18 and two. So 
Two-part question. Number one, do you agree with me that it's inevitable that it will be 18-2? and two? Once they make the game safer in enough other ways, then they'll say, hey, the game's safer. Let's play 18 and cut the preseason to two. And do you think at some point, maybe in your lifetime, probably not in mine, they'll just go all the way to 20 and zero? 20 regular season games, no preseason games. Let's just get it going. Let's take half the calendar every year with games that count starting after Labor Day and running that Super Bowl into March. Do you see that happen? Well, I, I, your 18 and two thing, I, I think I, I can, I can see that happening. I can, I don't know if I would agree with it. I don't think that's a fair trade off. Hey, here's one, like you're talking about live game where it's going to be a bunch of crazy guys and here we'll take off what a game where, like you're saying, a lot of the starters aren't going to play anyways. So I hope there's a lot of more money involved in that for the players when it comes to that point. Well, there will be, but there will yeah, be. And, 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 but the other thing to that too is I don't know if that's the right thing for the sport to cut away the preseason football games. I know it's not the ultimate experience and it's not the best product, but yeah, these are necessary games. Like we hear about all the time. You know, I, I can tell you I was in year three and I liked the preseason. I needed still at that point to to feel the guys around me and the te- the team the speed of the, the the game, the D lineman, all of that. So and it helped with you know gauging yourself to oh now I'm ready to play real football when that time comes and I can protect myself better. Where I don't think there's enough of those experiences right now, and we got into this last week with players being enough in game shape, enough moments of, like Mike Tomlin said to start the show, of sparring because at some point you got a box, and you know when we got to 18 and two or 20 to zero, I think yeah now you're getting into whoa we're just getting into heavyweight boxing fights, we're not going to get guys conditioned, and I think it'll just increase the injuries on the football field. That's the thing I don't like. I don't like the current status because I don't think training camps long enough and 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 physical enough to get guys ready like we've we've hit on a little bit so I hear what you're saying dollars are the bottom line but I hope they don't go too far here to where they hurt the younger players and the players who need development and the preseason is important to them being at their best for the regular season all gets back to this question and you hear it a lot from the old school coaches the callousing of the body yes. through the training camp, right. through preseason. Right. I don't know what kind of numbers are out there to back it up, but I know that there are coaches. Jason Garrett was talking about it on this show last Friday while you were asleep at the Motel 6 in Cleveland. <laughs> Jason Garrett was talking about how one of the things with running back durability may be that they're less durable because they're put through less fire, basically, right. in training camp and right. in the preseason. They are made to be less durable in the regular season because they're not toughened up the way they used to be to withstand all the various hits and potential injuries. I don't know that I agree with that, but that's the mindset that's out there. And we've talked in the past about how the watered down training camp and preseason possibly contributes to early season injuries because guys just aren't ready. Right. But again, the dollar drives the bus. That's here. right. I know that. The dollar drove the bus to 17. The dollar's going to drive the bus to 18. And then the bus is going to keep going to 19 and 20 because what is making that thing go? More inventory for gambling, more inventory for legalized wagering. As more and more states come online, as companies like Penn National commit to paying ESPN $1.5 billion over 10 years 
the entire machinery is going to be geared toward more, more things on which to bet. And yeah, you can bet on preseason games, but I suspect there's a hell of a lot more action being placed on regular season games. They mean yeah. more. Yeah. They're more exciting. There's more information. Right. We know who's going to play. We know who's injured. We know who's not injured. It is a shot in the dark and a sign of pure and complete degenerate status if you are betting on preseason games. Yeah. Period. Uh, Why is. would you bet on preseason games? Uh, there's Why? plenty. I had Why? people texting me last weekend. What do you think? I like the over in the Jets-Cleveland game. Right? You heard me saying that in the dressing room. I had friends texting me. What do you think about the game? I said, you're a degenerate. That's what I text back. That's what I said. You're a degenerate. You have a problem. If you'll bet on that, you'll bet on anything. You'll bet on a coin flip between friends. You'll bet on when flights are going to land like Kramer once did in an episode of Seinfeld when he rediscovered his gambling habit. You will bet on anything. but, But that's the point. There is a greater magnet for the gambling money of all of the potential bettors out there. If there's more games, yeah, I hear you. And there's only so much cheese you can cram into the crust of the pizza before you got to find someplace else to stick the cheese. And that's why I keep thinking they're going to get to 20 at some point, not soon, but at some point. I, I mean, I don't doubt you. Uh, what, what I don't like about that is I think it, it would be, you know, all this talk about player safety and I, it's gone overboard. But those are the things they're going to do to take preseason away and all that. I don't think that would be good for the players. Like you talked about callous conditioning, getting used to getting hit, being in those weird positions and, you know, having the body condition to be, oh, wait, I am in this weird position and I have a guy on me. I've been there. I've done that. That's real. You know, I don't want to hear too much about player safety until we start getting grass on the fields. It's kind of just like to me goes in one ear and one out out the other. I don't want to hear it from the NFL people right now. All right. That can be easily fixed. The other thing, too, just to jump onto that is they want to make the game all about the quarterbacks. Right. And they're doing that. And to my opinion, they've gone too far in that department as well. But where I would argue the preseason, then you're going to lose. We're going to lose the chance if we have no preseason of having a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud being a starting quarterback week one. You know, there's not going to be enough time there for them to develop, feel comfortable. I just think it's setting guys up for disaster that way. It's very important for these guys to play tonight and get some reps under their belt before things get real. All right, we're going to pivot to that because we will see C.J. Stroud tonight. But how much do we really see these guys? How much reps do they really get in the preseason? I understand what you're saying. But it's not like they're playing a half of three preseason games. There's other ways to get them ready. Joint practices get them ready. Mock games in practice get them ready. Intra-squad scrimmages get them ready. And again, Chris, if the money is going to drive this bus, nobody at 345 Park Avenue is going to give a crap about the struggles of getting your guys ready. That's on you. It's on you to get your team ready for week one. Either way, we're going. And if you want to unofficially treat week one kind of like preseason, that's fine. For you and your team, the games count, though. I mean, we've seen the Patriots kind of be that way. It takes them a month to figure out what they're going to be now because Bill Belichick can't get them ready the way that he used to. Yeah. So September games are an extension of the preseason. Fine, but the games count in the standings. That's the problem. You know, at one point, somebody was complaining about the preseason being meaningless. They said, hey, you want to give it a little meaning? Make your preseason record one of the tiebreakers deep down on the list. Like some point before coin flip, 
make the, the preseason. Uh, how dare you? How dare well, Hell, you want to make it meaningful? That's a way to make it meaningful. Here's a way to make the preseason meaningful. Make the first four weeks of the regular season the de facto preseason. And that could be what ultimately it is. And again, 345 doesn't care. They just want the mamu that comes from flipping preseason games to regular season games and putting them in prime time and putting the stars out there and seeing the money flow in from having those games count versus the games that don't. That's why I think it's moving that way. Well, it's funny just because a lot of preseason games became a thing, right, because the owners were rocking in the cash then too. That's what's funny too because they don't have to pay – you know, the star player, a $4 million check for the game or a $2 million check. Everybody gets nothing, peanuts in the preseason. So it's not like they're hurting for money. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, they're still getting parking and concessions, and there's people still going to the football game. Um, so I excuse me if I don't shed a tear for the owners that pay. Hey, I hey, know. Hey, what? Well, we're not proposing a bake sale, but here's the reality. They don't care about the money that comes from the stadium. They care about the money that comes from, from TV. TV. I get you're you. going to get a hell of a lot more from TV if those games count than if they don't. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know what we pay, NBC, anybody else pays for preseason games. But I guarantee you this. You take those 48, 49 now preseason games and you make those extra regular season games. And, yeah, they're going to be more valuable, well, here, a lot more valuable. Well, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. All right. But, the, you know, preseason's here for now, and let's stop the And we're going to get to it. I know. But, but here, know. this is the other I thing I just want to make the no. point of. So, so what you're where, telling me is the producer's talking to you to move on, but not me. No, no, he's not. I just think it's time we should talk uh, on, and I am hear no, Howie I, Roseman in my ear going, conspiracy, I've been trying conspiracies. to move on. That's what I meant. But wait. You got us on the subject, and now we're going to finish it. Here's the other thing. You can you can do practice and inter-squad scrimmages and like you're talking about and all that, right? But there's still nothing that can replicate. And first off, what gets guys injured? Not being conditioned to the moments, not being ready to, to play because they haven't been hit in live, live tackling situations and all that. You know, when you – nerves and being tentative – can get you hurt. Oh, Mo, where am I? The Oh, my gosh, I'm a deer in the headlights, and now you're tentative and you don't want to play. Those are the things you work out in a preseason game, especially for the young guys. Like, C.J. Stroud's going to break the huddle tonight in his first play, and his mind's going to go, holy shit, I'm the quarterback of the Houston Texans, and people are yelling and cheering. This is unbelievable. Oh, wait, what's the play? Hold on. Uh, and they're going to have to think about it. And there's going to be a whole bunch of young guys going through that, too. And it's how to handle those nerves in that situation that will help him be a better player to stay safe, you know, safe and healthy during the season. So that's where I like the preseason. So that was it. I'm sorry. I, I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. 345 don't care. Let me tell you a quick story before we move on to focus more on C.J. Stroud and the Texans and the Patriots tonight. I had this epiphany yesterday, and I'm not going to say how it came to be because uh, that may anger some people off that I would rather not deal with today, frankly. But. I got this way from one specific moment in my childhood, and we all are the product of something that happened in our childhood. The reason that I am a top five conspiracy theorist in the eyes of Howie Roseman, I had a paper route when I was a kid, and that is not an easy assignment. Every morning, going door to door on a bike, on foot, rain, sleet, snow, ice, whatever, delivering newspapers, and I've talked about delivering newspapers in the past, but there was a night... When, as an appreciation of all of the kids who had routes for the Wheeling Intelligencer 
morning paper or the news register afternoon paper. They were having a pizza party for us. Restaurant in town, pizza place. All come on, we're having a pizza party to show our appreciation of the folks who are out there every day delivering the news door to door, house to house for not very much money whatsoever. So we show up for the pizza party and they say, hey, you know what? Before we feed you pizza, we're going to have a little fun. You want to have a little fun? We're going to go door to door selling subscriptions to the newspaper before we give you pizza. And I was like, son of a bitch. And I was like 12. I wish in that moment I would have said, I'm out. I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not selling your damn subscriptions before you give me the pizza that you lured me here for. So anyway, that's why I'm the way I am. That's, that's the evil. one moment more than any else from my childhood that causes me to always lurk, look for the BS that's lurking in anything that anyone is trying to sell me. Because there's always something else going on. Damn. And yeah. that's the moment that, that has me that's, thinking. That's there's always something else going guy. on. Damn, that's what they do in West Virginia? We got stand-up people in North New Jersey. They would never do stuff like that. So I don't Yeah, know. no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They No, in, in Jersey, they just put a gun to your head and say, go Dumpy sell the, the damn subscriptions. <laughs> right. It would be a shame if this gun would go off. God, yeah. that took a dark yeah. turn. All right, Texas Patriots tonight. Here's D'Amico Ryan's first year coach, his first game as a head coach, Houston Texans, on the expectations for rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud tonight. Yeah, as C.J. goes out in his first game, as with all our rookies, what do I want to see from those guys? I just want to see those guys not blink. I want to see them go out and continue to do what they've done in practice, not try to make too many big plays or try to put the team. It's just about them focusing on their craft and what they're doing. It's nothing. I want to see guys go out and not make it too big. I want to see that the game isn't too big for guys. I want to see guys go out and operate efficiently. Guys fly around, have some fun playing the game. It's a great moment in the movie Invincible from 2005 when Marky Mark is out there and the way they filmed it, it gives you that sense of holy crap. Look at what I found myself in the middle of. And right. that gets to what D'Amico Ryans is saying. He wants them to not be overwhelmed by the moment. And that gets to what you were saying earlier. That's why there's value in the preseason. It's a chance to ease your way into the very hot bathtub of week in and week out regular season football. Yeah, that, that's it. That, that's right. You know, that's where it's just about getting comfortable so you can be at your best when the regular season does come around. You know, like I was saying, that, that was the moment for me. I mean, I can remember breaking the huddle in Tokyo, playing the New York Jets, and being like, holy crap, I'm on ESPN, and I'm playing preseason football in the NFL, and all that's happening. Wait, what did that crazy John Gruden say in my ear to be ready for here? You know, I mean, that, that's how it is. You do become a little bit of a deer in the headlights. Your dream is coming true, and it all hits you all at once. So, yeah. you know, And it's turned into a nightmare. <laughs> right. <laughs> now they want to hit me, and ref, blow the whistle. Please, please, protect me. But, but uh, it, 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 it's, that's the things that the young guys need to get used to. And there's even some veteran guys who like to have those reps and just get used to what it's like to have that feeling and the, the pregame warm-up. And all those are things that help you get comfortable for that regular season week one. And, and it's, of course, especially prevalent with the rookie quarterback. I mean, rookie 
rookie players, the rookie quarterback even more so, but they're second, third, and fourth year guys who are also going to have those same feelings, and this will go a long way to you know making them feel comfortable. How about that guy right there, John Mechie, right? He hasn't played. You can't tell me preseason ain't important for him. They're trying to find a slot receiver. He had cancer last year. He's back. Now he gets a chance to play and get used to the game again so he can protect himself and be at his best, and uh, that that's what I'm, I'm just excited to see some of those type of guys, Mike, and evaluate them and see how important they're going to use, you know, how important they are to the offense, how much they're going to use them. And those are the little things you can kind of take from the preseason. And by the way, the Texans making no bones about the fact that CJ Stroud is QB one. I'm looking at their unofficial depth chart. There is no or between CJ Stroud, Davis Mills, Case Keenum. It goes Stroud one, Mills two, Keenum three. He's the guy. Stroud's the guy. All these rookie quarterbacks, the three taken in the top four picks, will be starting they week will. one. You're the right. only caveat is this, Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew, which may just be another another effort two years later to try to trade Gardner Minshew like the Jaguars did by creating a phony competition between him and Trevor Lawrence back in 2021. The other side tonight, though, the Patriots. Yeah. It's not a true competition. Mac Jones is listed as the starter, but Bill Belichick has been just equivocal enough to make us say, is there an opening for Bailey Zappi to overcome Mac Jones? Here's Bill Belichick talking about his quarterback plans for Thursday night's game against the Texans. What's your plan for Thursday night for the snap counts for each quarterback? Mm, Yeah, I'm still working on that. But the players who are at least experienced will get the most playing time. I can tell you that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Max, sorry, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think he's just being dismissive. Sometimes I think he does know, and he's just not telling yeah, us. I don't, I, I don't know. I Maybe it's the whole pizza party oh, he's, experience. He's full of it when it me. comes to that stuff. He's full of it. Like when he was starting know. to say, I'm, I'm not a travel agent. No, you, yeah, uh, no, but there's a travel agent in the building who reports to you with everything. So you knew. Like, don't, don't, don't give me that crap. He likes to just, yeah, give you a hard time. I don't know why, but there's, there's something to it for he has some reason. <laughs> Yeah, and look, I do believe that and, – and I saw that somebody, one of the Twitter accounts that aggregate things that we say into hut microphones thought this was a big deal. I believe that Bill Belichick would like Bailey Zappi to beat out Mac Jones. Wow. I just think that's a – I just think that is a leftover from last year. Mac Jones was sufficiently upset and sufficiently willing to voice his displeasure with the Bill Belichick offensive Frankenstein monster that I don't think you just forget about it and move on and everything's fine. But Mac Jones is the better guy. So as long as Mac Jones is better, he's the guy. I just think that Bill Belichick would would prefer to, to be able to put Mac Jones on the bench and think he's going to win football games with Bailey Zappi, but it's up to Zappi and it's up to Jones. I think for now, Jones is the guy. He wouldn't be the first guy on the depth chart, but you know what? Two years ago at this time, Cam Newton was the first guy on the depth chart in New England, and how'd that work out for him? Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and yeah, that he, he made a mistake. Mac Jones went on fire during that last little joint practice scrimmages against the Giants and that gave the Patriots the confidence to go you know what the hell with Cam Max ready let's do it right can there be a moment like that this spring maybe or summer yeah yeah sure 
You know, could that happen in the preseason? You know, maybe. Do, do, do I agree with you that Belichick, you know, in some ways probably wants to stick it to Mac Jones to a degree because of last year? I don't doubt that. But I don't think he'll go so far to, like you're saying, to hurt the football team. And I think Mac no, Jones, yeah. No, Mac Jones not. is clearly, clearly better than Bailey Zappi. That, that, that's for sure. And that's where, you know, I think we'll see that. That's the thing I'm excited for tonight, too. Not necessarily that I know we're not going to see huge game planning, Mike, but we, from the get-go last year and preseason, we were like, wait, there's two receivers that are in the same area and things don't look good and they're not on the same page. And I just don't think we'll see an offense that looks like that in New England tonight. And I think you'll see a guy in Mac Jones who is going to be more comfortable and cocky and more the guy he was in year one because he's going to feel like, damn, I'm being coached. I got answers for everything now, so I feel good about it. I'd be shocked if Bailey Zappi made this interesting. I, you know, I still think Mac Jones is a damn good player. Think of how weird it was last year. Yeah, it was. For everybody. Yeah. The players, the members of the staff, everybody. We didn't know who the hell was calling the plays. That was one of the storylines for the preseason opener. Hey, who's calling the plays? Yeah, well, right? Well, well, it's Joe Judge. Well, it's Matt Patricia. Right. And I think he basically, Belichick, had a competition between the two of them in the preseason to see which guy would call the plays. And meanwhile, in the locker room, sources close to me tell me, they were thinking that Adam Gase was going to ride in and run the offense. Yeah. That that was the end result here. Right that surely they were going to get a coach with actual experience running an offense, not a guy that's been a defensive coach for years, a special teams coach for years, and just throw it to them and say, do your best. So this year, very different because now Billy O's back, Bill O'Brien, back from Alabama, back into the NFL. What will you be looking for specifically as it relates to the offense? We assume that guys will be lined up in the right spot. We assume we won't have any mysteries as to who's calling the plays. What do you expect when you see the plays unfold tonight? There's a there's a crispness in an offense that you know is coached well and doing the right things. You know, whether it's the protections the right way, uh, the the execution of the play, and the quarterback getting the ball out of his hands, and you feeling like oh he looks very comfortable back there. You know, usually that's because a coach has sent out the proper messages for each play and sold that to the players, and they feel comfortable with it. You know, it's that. It's the spacing of, like we talked about, with receivers down the field that was off last year. You look at little things that we take for granted and go, wait, why did that slot receiver go outside that defender to cross the field? It took him forever. He wasn't there. He was the number one read, right? And now we're going, wait, Mac Jones doesn't look good. He looks like he's panicking. Well, yeah, his number one read went over to East Jabib over here to get over to the middle of the field, so that didn't work. And now those are the things that I think will be worked out, the kinks in the offense, and that you won't see any of that. So that that's what I, I kind of look for, Mike, stuff like that. And then just even, you know, I feel like with a, a team like this, they got some questions at wide receiver. They'll find a way early in these preseason games to feature one of the guys that they want. Hey, we need you to, you know, take the next step, whether that's Tyquan Thornton or whatever. Those are the little things I look for to go, ooh, they like what he's doing at camp, so now they're trying to get him the ball in week one to get him going and get the confidence going so they can really depend him on week one in the regular season. I think those are the things I try to check out, Mike. That, that is one thing. You're talking about Tyquan Thornton and the receiver. Yeah. The unofficial depth chart. Now, they don't go three receivers. Some teams do. The Patriots have two receivers right. and two running backs, but – 
Tyquan Thornton is listed as backup to Devontae Parker, and Juju Smith-Schuster is listed as backup to Kendrick Bourne, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Kind of surprised me. Yeah. That Juju hasn't earned a spot in the starting lineup, but again, they got two receivers that are showing, and they got the two running backs from Monday Stevenson and Ty Montgomery as the, the two guys. They, Montgomery this year, he didn't play much last year. He had an injury that wiped out almost all of the season. Montgomery is one of those guys to watch in this offense. He's got some of that Swiss Army knife exactly. capability. Exactly. He's been a receiver in the past. Remember, right. he wore number 88, I think, at first, and yep. then they moved him to running back in yep. Green Bay, and he's been more of a running back in recent years. But he's a guy that can line up in a bunch of different spots, and Bill O'Brien could find creative ways to really have him be an impact this year for the Patriots. Be their, their James White, right? The guy they can depend on, like we talked about even with Alvin Kamara yesterday. The guy you can trust in pass game situations that he's going to read the coverage the right way. Like you said, ex-receiver knows how to run routes to their capabilities. So that's I, I agree. I would, I would think there's going to be more of a role for him in that department this year with having a full offseason to play around with him there. They don't really have that guy on the roster either. So that's where it's interesting. You know, Mike, you talked about the receivers too, right? Yeah, Tyquan Thornton, what can he be? Devontae Parker, we kind of know. We know Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, Kendrick Bourne, I've heard, has had a very good camp up there. So they're excited about that. And the other guy to watch for is um, Demario Douglas, uh, a kid they took in the, the sixth round out of Liberty. He's a guy that I know has made some you know eye-popping plays and running some routes in the slot where it's caught the attention of people. You know, there's New England finding, you know, diamond in the haystack there. But, you know, th th that's what I'm excited to see. Some of those guys, like you say, we're going to be out there and you're going to go, wait, who is this guy? Oh, Demario Douglas. Woo, they're throwing him the ball a lot. And those are the things you can go, ooh, they like him. That's why they're throwing him the ball a lot. And they're trying to grow him as a player. Uh, so those are some things to watch out for, for from New England. If they like him, they're being coy about it on the unofficial depth chart. He's running fourth team yeah. behind Smith-Schuster, Trey Nixon, the third stringer. There's Demario Douglas with Matthew Slater, who never plays receiver. I don't know why they even bother to put him on the receiver depth chart. Um, we talked in the past about how Jeff Okuda, the one-time third overall pick in the draft, had kind of a hard time in Detroit living up to that hype being pick number three. This year, pick number three has some cover. Will Anderson Jr., the third pick of the Texans after they traded up, no one's talking about him because it's all C.J. Stroud. Yeah. So what, what, would, what do you need to see from Anderson to the extent that he has any real playing time tonight? And who knows? I haven't seen whether he will or won't play. But to the, to the extent D'Amico Ryans right. wants these guys to take that next step and be comfortable, we will see him. What do you want to see from him? And is it just that loose, visceral he looks the part. Yeah, kind of. You know, he was able to get by somebody right. and not get put on his butt. Yeah, I, I that you know overall explosiveness, right? That's that's the thing. I and I, you know, I know you had people tell you during the draft process where people were, you know, hey, Will Anderson's a good player, but you know, top five, top ten freaky explosive guy off the edge I think that's where I and there was a number of people in the NFL community that were like I, I don't see that at all I see a good football player but not a superstar freak athlete so that's what I want to see you know when he gets off the ball you know is is, is there a different kind of explosion he's going to be asked to be that Nick Bosa for that defense it's all about get wide fly off the edge and hey reading between the lines 
I don't think he's impressed like that yet. I don't. You know, I listen to things, quotes, players say. A lot of it so far is, hey, he works hard. Hey, his motor's really good, all of that. And you know and I know when there's a guy causing, you know, a ruckus every day in practice and dominating, you start, oh, this guy's a freak. Oh, man, the ceiling's unlimited, blah, blah, blah. You start to hear stuff like that. I'm hearing stuff of, hey, it's good, it's good, it's good. But I don't think anybody's been blown away. That's what I'd be my two cents, and I want to see tonight maybe if he can blow blow me away and blow the audience away a little bit. There's kind of a Cleveland Farrell vibe here where, you know, great leader, exactly. great worker. Right. But where's the disruption? Where's the F up the play? That's where's the talking, thing that Mike. you need from right. a pass rusher who's right. going to be basically, you know, Godzilla ripping through the city, throwing guys around, yeah. and no one has an answer for how to deal with this player, that may not be there, but uh, we'll find out tonight. We'll see. Hopefully, he proves us wrong against yeah, you know, an NFL caliber offensive line to try to create the the havoc that the Texans need. Vikings Seahawks, ten o'clock Eastern tonight on NFL Network. Jordan Addison, running second string for the Vikings. Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba also second string. And and again, I don't know what that means when you only show two starters because the number three receiver yeah he's going to be start one or two in today's yeah. NFL yeah right yeah and I don't think you make that investment in a guy that you don't firmly believe is going to be in your starting lineup. Projects are no longer taken for the most part in the NFL in the first round. You want someone that you can plug in as soon as possible. And uh, we get to see what these guys will do tonight. And yeah. There's been a lot more buzz about Smith and Jigba than Addison. I and maybe would agree. it's just because we we expect Addison to be a guy who will command double coverage eventually. With Smith and Jigba, it was more classic slot receiver. But now it's like, well, wait, maybe this guy can do a lot more than that. Maybe this guy's the total package. Maybe this yeah. guy can run every route. Maybe this guy can draw double coverage. And holy crap, if you if you had a guy who was ready to take off with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, all of a sudden this Seahawks offense, passing game, could be unstoppable. Yeah, exactly, right? And we get those two tackles that are second-year guys now. You get them greased up and ready to go so they can protect against Nick Bosa and some of those type of players. They could be dangerous. Definitely with you that Jackson Smith and Jigba has had more hype around him. I, I think, you know, yeah, slot guy. I certainly questioned how much he separates, right, and, and how fast he is and all that too. But we've seen in training camp a number of clips of him running by guys. And the other thing too where he's different than Jordan Addison is with the ball in his hand, I mean, he was as dangerous as we've seen the last few years in college football. Breaking ta tackles, breaking ankles. And he has this weird skill of, like, when the ball's in his hand, he actually looks faster than when the ball's not in his hand, and that's rare. So, yeah, I, I think there's maybe a little more God-given ability in that department where Addison is a little bit more, hey, route running and refined and not necessarily going to do the freaky athlete-type things that we're accustomed to seeing from a first-rounder, right? And that's where you know, I questioned him being drafted in the first round a little bit. But in this type of offense that really values route runners and things like that, he might not be the kind of guy that's freaky and wows people at training camp. But when you get in the game, he makes runs the right route. He understands coverages all the time. We look up and we go, whoa, he's got eight catches for 110 yards. Even though they might have not been like wow, eye-popping plays, I think that's the type of player maybe we expect from, uh, from Jordan Addison I, this year. I, 
I think you've just described Cooper Cup. You're right. That's a, yeah. Super Bowl Fifty Six MVP. That, that's and you hope that he can like right Cooper Cup grow that yak ability right that we've seen. I, I don't think anybody thought Cooper Cup was going to be catching slants and running another fifty yards when they first drafted him, but he's continued to work, get stronger, get faster. To now he's not only the route runner guy, but now he's like, damn, when he's one on one, you can. Throw it up to him. He'll run by a guy. And I hope they, they're they hoping for that type of de- development with Addison. And, and let me say this. I hate to entertain this thought, much less articulate it. I said it yesterday on Paul Allen's show on KFAN in Minneapolis. But until the Vikings sign Justin Jefferson to a mega long-term deal, I will at least have my eye on the possibility that after this season, they dangle Jefferson with some sort of a package to get themselves in range to get their franchise quarterback. Mm. Because if we're going to go full-blown analytics in the construction of a roster, franchise quarterback is a hell of a lot more valuable to a team than a franchise receiver. He's going to be there longer. He's going to have a lot more impact on whether or not that team gets to the playoffs and advances when they get there. The, the, the receiver can't throw the ball to himself on fourth and eight with the season on the line. Case in point. So... Is Addison a compliment to Jefferson or a replacement for Jefferson? And frankly, to the extent they're even considering that possibility, how Addison performs this year could either make it easier or make it harder to make that swap to try to get Caleb Williams or one of the other great quarterbacks if you could throw Justin Jefferson into the pack. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's bold thinking. Right, I, I'd have a hard time thinking it was going to happen. Just guys like Justin Jefferson are rare. They are rare, you know. And and you know, to your point, whether you say all the time, you know, they, they know they got something here. You know, you don't know to the draft completely. You, you think you know to a degree, right? And and there's that. But okay, you know, I I you know I don't see that happening. I guess is what I'm saying. I I think this is one where make him the highest paid receiver in football right now, get it done. Okay. And then we can move on. And a year from now, that contract ain't going to look all that bad. And we're going to go, Hey, it's pretty good. Pretty good contract by the Vikings. And Justin Jefferson is the fourth highest paid receiver now. Right. So, uh, I, I, I don't imagine that happening, I guess is what I'm saying. Mike. I know, but the yeah. fact that it hasn't happened yet yeah. is the thing that has me saying, <laughs> who knows? What will happen? Crazier things have indeed occurred. Brian Flores taking over the Vikings defense. Last year, the problem was it was scheme. It wasn't, it wasn't tailored to fit what they would be facing week in and week out. We've gotten the very clear impression Brian Flores will be having a different approach each and every week. It won't be about a system. It'll be about a strategy for shutting down a given offense. And that tells me we're not going to see much tonight. Tonight's oh, going to no. be as vanilla as you can expect. They're not going to tip their hand on anything they might do when the regular season rolls around. No, I, I would think not. That, that's exactly right. And, you know, knowing knowing Brian Flores and how, you know, guys like him and from New England operate, you've heard me talk about this before. They, they are more about, hey, we're going to get the basics down first. And, and in the first game, it's going to be about, like, you know, their core plays. And let's make sure we execute them the right way. But to your point, yeah, you know, defenses take one of two approaches. They either play extremely conservative in vanilla in the preseason and just play cover two and man-to-man and cover three and do that. 
or they have a they blitz a ton and make the team in week one go, oh my gosh, we have to prepare for 74 different blitzes that they showed in the preseason, right? And that might not necessarily be what they do in the regular season, but they just want you to prepare and waste time on all that stuff, and then they throw you a curveball week one. I would think in this one, yeah, we see vanilla, just let's execute, do the things we do right, and let's see how physical we are, and, and then that's kind of the motto for tonight. There's another mindset as well, and I'm going to rewind by 31 years. The Vikings had a few rough seasons. They did the Herschel Walker trade. It didn't work well. Jerry Burns gets fired after the 91 season. In comes Dennis Green, and he wanted to apply a kick in the ass to that team, especially that defense. And when you have a defense that was so beaten down last year, so demoralized, Maybe there is some value in the preseason to giving them a chance to flex their muscles yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I hear that. Confidence and right. go out there and kick some ass. Right. And go out there and shut some people down and maybe do some creative stuff as if this was an opponent you were facing in the regular season. And I like your idea of just giving the Buccaneers week one and the teams they play beyond that something to think about about what they're going to see based upon what happens in those three preseason games. But I think the, the Vikings defense could use a little bit of a confidence Yeah, boost. I hear you there. Maybe we'll see that's some real. deliberate effort to deliver it tonight. Yeah, that's real. That's another thing that does go on in the preseason. You know, you, you, you hear about teams, right? And we end up talking about it maybe once or twice every preseason where I might come in and go, this team played vanilla when I watched the film, Mike. This team... They game planned a little bit. They they had eight or ten plays, you know, in the pocket there, ready to go to screw over the team in the preseason a little bit. And it's usually for the reasons you're talking about, to kind of instill some confidence. And so you can go in the next day and go, hey, look at us. We're executing. We're making plays. We got something there going. And you try to grow and build off that momentum. I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe there was one or two wrinkles that you don't normally see in a preseason game from them just like you're saying, to kind of make them feel good and go, hey, look what you did out here. We squashed this offense a few drives. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be excited to see their approach. The one thing we know is, like you said, they're going to be better on defense. Brian Flores is phenomenal can't on that worse. side of the ball. Yeah, they can't be worse. Can't be worse. Uh, I would think they're you know, a, a significant bump better. I'd be shocked if it's not at least 10 spots, 12 spots better on the defensive side of the ball. On the Seahawks defense, fifth overall pick Devin Witherspoon has a hamstring injury. Damn. He won't play tonight. He had a hamstring thing in the offseason, yep. hamstring thing again, and uh, they just want to get him healthy and ready to go as soon as he can contribute to the Seattle defense, which is trying to get back to the Legion of Boom days of uh, a decade or so ago. Let's go ahead and take a break here. Unlike Bill Belichick, who doesn't know who's going to start tonight at quarterback. A couple of coaches are very clear in what they want to see from their young quarterbacks when they play this weekend. We'll discuss that next on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. 